Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Ask Daddy podcast. It's your boy, Brian B. Childs, and uh, let's get to it. So it's that time of year, uh, you know, school is about to let out. We're about to uh, have summer vacation. And it's every year around this time of year that I like to just remind people and discuss the summer slide and talk about preventing summer learning loss. So that's what we're going to talk about this episode is basically what summer slide is and how to prevent summer learning loss. So what is summer slide? Uh, basically summer slide is the amount that students fall behind or slide behind in achievement during the summer. Now, summer learning loss is, um, it affects everyone. Let me say it that way. Summer learning loss can affect everyone. It doesn't matter your income bracket. Um, however, you know, it's, it's, it's shown and studies have shown that for low income families, uh, the loss is more severe. Now, I have a couple of reasons as to why I believe this is, and maybe we'll talk about that. But again, summer learning losses, you know, it shows that um, over the summer, students can learn more than two months in reading achievement over the summer. And over the course of, you know, years, that ends up by the time, you know, your student's supposed to be in the fifth grade. If summer, learn, if summer learning loss continues to apply from, let's just say, the time they start kindergarten and they get to fifth grade, uh, they can be about two to three grade levels behind um, in areas like reading and math and so on and so forth. So it's very important that we understand what summer learning loss is, understand the term summer slide. And again, summer slide just means how much your kids slide behind during the summer uh, due to summer learning loss. And then what can we do about that? You know what? Let's go ahead on and get into it now. Why does summer learning loss affect low income families? Um, I guess at a more severe rate. And out of these reasons that I'm going to give you, there's only one that I really think is unique to low income families. Uh, like I said, summer learning loss affects everyone across the board, regardless of so uh, your your economic status. So let's go on and get into it. Uh, one reason that I believe that summer learning loss affects people in general is people just choose not to attend summer programs. Um, I know, again, for me growing up and, you know, some of my family members and some of my friends or whatever, <laughs> I know I felt like I was just too cool to be at a summer program. And so I fought it with everything. I'm not trying to go to summer camp. I'm not trying to be in any type of program because I felt like that was for kids. That's kid stuff. And, um, you know, I was a pretty strong willed individual. And so a lot of times I was able to kind of talk my way out or just really resist my way out of attending a summer program. And, you know, if if um, if that's happening, then again, you could or your child could fall victim to summer learning loss. Uh, now, this one here is where I would think that it would be unique to families from a lower income uh, status or lower income bracket than those of a more affluent one would be lack of good summer programs. Now, a good 
summer program would consist of a really decent academic piece, as well as, of course, you know, in arts and crafts and uh, athletics and, you know, activities piece as well. Those programs, though, they can cost quite a bit of money. And I know because, again, I've, I've, I've priced them. Um, looked at different, you know, programs and what they offer and the ones that are actually really good, you know, they can be like 300 plus dollars a week, um, which is, which is, you know, that's, that's pretty expensive, especially when you start adding the number of kids that you have up. I have three children. So, you know, you times that by three, that's 900 something dollars a week just on childcare for summer program. That's, that's, that's a lot. Um, but again, but the programs that I'm looking at, were really amazing. And then when you start scaling down, uh, what typically is offered in, you know, a lot of areas is, uh, at a really nice academic, and I'm sorry, a really nice athletic and maybe arts and crafts piece. And then the academic piece is just reduced to maybe like a 30 minute reading block, which the reading block is great. That's good. You know, especially if the kids are actually reading and it's something that's engaging because we want to make sure that they're engaged in reading over the summer. However, that's uh, it's not really that well thought out. It's not really that interesting. You know, kids lose interest and oftentimes, you know, spend that time talking and, and doing everything else other than reading. So that could be, of course, due to, you know, not having the funds to send your child to a to a to a better type of summer program. So what do we do in this case? Well, I encourage that we encourage the programs that we that we can afford and that, you know, are maybe local and close to where we live to maybe think about adding some other academic components, maybe doing some research ourselves and maybe bringing you know, some ideas to them to help engage the students over the summer. Uh, the third reason I believe is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents, man, I'm not, I'm not going to say a lot cause I don't know exact numbers, but I've heard parents, um, say the summer is for vacation. Like I'm not going to have my kid doing all of that reading and math and schoolwork over the summer because they need to relax and be charged up for the next school year. And while I can appreciate that, the truth is we just really don't have time to waste, um, we just really don't have time to waste. You know, we need to to use the summer to make sure. And again, I'm not saying it needs to be a full out summer school and they're doing, you know, a full day of schoolwork all day long. But we do need to make sure that they are being engaged over the summer and that they are continuing to work on their reading, their math and so on. Because if they do just take the summer off, OK, and then their peers especially for more affluent areas are in quality summer programs or are doing other things. Just, just imagine a classroom where let's say 10% of the kids took the summer off. So they come back they're two months or more behind. And then their peers who did something during the summer or maybe a month or two ahead. And then those who went to a really quality program are even further ahead than that. Now, the child who did nothing over the summer is coming back and they're frustrated. Right. And it's like, man, you know, these kids are just so smart. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm not as smart as them or whatever. And, and again, a lot of times that frustration then leads to behavior issues, acting out and just basically giving up. And that's what we do not want. Right. We don't want our kids giving up. 
Um, and then the last thing is just like inconsistency. You know what I mean? Uh, over the summer, and it's, it's easy to do. You know what I mean? Um, there's nowhere per se that your kid has to be every day during the summer. Um, and it's a break for you. But again, at, you know, at what cost? A lot of times our kids are, are paying the cost. And so with, when it comes to, um, to those things, you know, summer learning loss, those are some of the reasons behind how it happens. Um, so let's talk about some ways in which we can prevent it. So here are some ways in which we can prevent summer learning loss. And please keep in mind, I mean, there are a ton. Um, I had to make myself stop uh, because literally there are a ton of different things that you can do to engage your kids during the summer and through the school year in general. But uh, one is, I would say, immediately start setting up a conference with your child's teacher. All right. Find out where they have them, uh, like what levels they have them at when it comes to reading, like what's their Lexile score, um, where are they when it comes to math, if there are sight words that that they still need to learn, um, get a list of the sight words for the upcoming school year. Again, this depends on what age level you're, uh, or what grade your, your child is in or going to, but these are still some things that you could do. Um, and then I also ask the teacher, you know, hey, some teachers don't mind doing this and some you know, might not um, do it, but you can still ask, hey, would you mind maybe putting together a summer packet for my kid? And if that's something that they can't do, which, again, you know, I, I can definitely understand if, if if the teacher gives you some pushback on that. Again, depending on what grade level it is, how many students they have, how close to the end of the school year it is, wherever you're at. But if, if that's not really doable, then you can also ask them for any additional resources like, hey, websites um, that you would recommend or anything like that. A lot of school districts now are like paying for um, programs and some of the programs are only good through the school year, but then some programs are good through the summer as well. So again, you know, let's say your kid is in first grade and they're going to second. It's good through their first grade year and it's good through the summer going into the second grade. So they could still maybe work on that particular website um, or that program. So again, I would, I would set up a conference, find out where they're at. This is going to help you in a couple of ways, um, or in a few ways, because again, when it comes to that reading level, now you're not just going to the library or buying books at random just because, you know, they have a cool cover or whatever, but you can make sure that again, you're, you're giving your child something that is on their level because it needs to be something that they can read, but it also needs to be something that's going to stretch them. And so it's important. You just don't want them. I mean, any reading is good. Let me let me say that any reading is good, but you don't want to be too low to where they're not benefiting. And of course, you don't want to be so high to where they're being frustrated. So that's one. Um, another thing that you can start doing is, again, start now looking into what summer programs are out there. You know, believe it or not, man, probably there's probably a number of um programs that are going to be operating this summer who have not really thought out what the program actually looks like right so if you start now asking you know what's going on over the summer what are you planning what does the academic piece look like 
Um, it can kind of get them to thinking about that. And then again, you can also maybe add suggestions if you have any, um, or just let it be known like, Hey, a 30 minute reading block. Wow. Okay. That's cool. That's not, that's not really enough. Right. Can, can, is there something else that we can look into? How else can we beef this up some, so that way you can make sure that if that's a program where you're going to send your child, um, they could be benefiting again, the most benefit that they can from that program. Um, another thing I could say you could do is start looking up, uh, and Googling events that are happening in your area, in your city. Um, you know, sometimes museums, for instance, have days where they're free or they're discounted, um, especially for school students, things of that nature. Uh, you know, so on the weekend, I look at it like this. Even if you do two things a month, right, two a month, that at least end up being like four or five experiences that your child can have over the summer that can be educational. Again, like going to a museum or um, a historic uh, landmark or something like that and kind of learning about it, reading up on it, preparing for that. Those are really good experiences. And um, a lot of that stuff is free. What else can you do? Uh, I mentioned the library. Definitely take advantage of your library card. Um, get one if you don't have one. Man, they have all kind of stuff happening at the library all the time. I mean, like go on the um, on your local library's website. They have all kind of stuff happening. I mean, honestly, like it's it's really amazing that a lot of these libraries like the stuff that they offer and. A lot of times, you know, at least in, in my experience uh, being around here in, or in Orlando, um, you know, you got, you have a decent turnout or an OK turnout, but it's never like, you know, jam packed or anything. So definitely do that um, and send your kids on the city bus if you feel comfortable with that. Or if they live close by, you know what I mean? Like that's that's something that could be done daily or to drop them off at the library. I don't know, but that's an option. Um, other. I would say create a schedule and stick to it. And so what do I mean by that? Let's say, you know, every morning, you know, before whatever, you know, the first thing you do is sight words. You know what I mean? Hey, go up, wake up, go over these flashcards for your sight words. Something like that's that's daily. That's a routine. Um, again, maybe, you know, when you come home, you log on to whatever program, work on that. Um you know, a really good thing or not uh, like a project or whatever that you guys can do is get a novel, you know, get a novel and read it with your kids. That's fun, right? That's fun. You get a really good novel adventure type stuff or whatever. And y'all just, you know, sit in the bed and just read that before bed every night. Again, that's good stuff. And, and they really enjoy it. And the other thing I would say, or the last thing I'll say, because um, like I said, I could continue to go on, but I'll wrap it up with this. Create and uh, like a reward type system, you know, uh, and, and you might. For this school year, you're going to buy them whatever anyway, you know what I'm saying? But you can attach it to their achievement over the summer and then reward them for learning gains made over the summer. So what's a learning game? Again, you set up the conference with the parent, with, with the uh, teacher, like you were like, you know, like I said earlier, 
they tell you they're at X level in reading, math, whatever the case may be. And again, you've been working over the summer. They've been doing the program. They've been doing this and the other. And now when they, when you go back and you look at their tested or whatever, at the beginning of the school year, they've increased instead of went down that, you know, instead of decreased, they've increased. Boom. That's, that's definitely something that's a rewardable, uh, uh, event. You know what I mean? Like learning over the summer, coming back, making gains. That is definitely something that could be um, rewarded. And what you've also done, if you as, as you started teaching them to start taking ownership of their own learning and their own education, and that's priceless. The earlier that we can instill in our kids that they are responsible for their own education, the better. And that's one way in which you can do it. So again, the reward, you know, it could, again, that's different for everybody. You know what I'm saying? That's different for everybody. But I would ask, you know, what is something that, that, that you really want or want to do or want to go or whatever, you know what I mean? And hey, kind of kind of carve it out and, and, and make sure it's something that you can do. And then when they reach that goal, definitely give them that reward. Hey, well, that does it for another episode of the Ask Daddy podcast. Do me a favor. Go ahead on and like this podcast. (laughs) If I can speak, subscribe, share, Uh, you know, make sure we get the word out, man. I want to make sure that everybody understands what this concept is. And I want to make sure that we're doing something to to prevent it. So I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, yeah, have a good day.